Hello, sweet one, and thank you for joining me again for Inspire and Tire. I want to start off by apologizing for not being on for quite some time. Because of health issues with my family, I needed to be with them more, and therefore all of my time was being spent with them. I'm happy to announce that they seem to be doing better, and the doctors have a plan in place. And with that, I can now go ahead and open up my time to you again. And today, I want to say, never give up hope on anything, for something positive is always around the corner. You just have to wait. Time not only heals all wounds, but time opens up doors as well. Time gives you the ability to think of ways to work through problems, to think of ways to move yourself forward. Time is your friend, although at the present, for some of you, it may not seem it. You just have to believe. Believe in yourself and believe that everything will get better. And now, I want to read to you something from the past from Jane Addams from 1911. It's called, Why Women Should Vote. It's interesting to see what she said is going on during that time period and how she views it. And she writes, The United States alone spends every year $500 million more on its policemen and on its courts and its prisons than upon all its works of religion and charity and education. The price of one trial expended on a criminal early in life might serve and save the state thousands of dollars and the man untold horrors. And yet, with all this vast expenditure, little is done to reduce crime. Men are kept in jails where there is not even the resemblance of education or reformatory measures. Young men are returned over and over again to the same institution until they have grown old and gray. And in all of that time, they have not once been taught a trade, nor have they been in any way any wiser prepared to withstand the temptations of life. A homeless young girl looking for a lodging may be arrested for soliciting on the streets and sent to prison for six months, although there is no proof against her save the impressions of the policeman. A young girl may be obliged to answer the most harassing questions put to her by the city attorneys, which no woman near to protect her from insult. She may be subjected to the most trying and physical examination conducted by a physician in the presence of a policeman and no mention to whom to appeal. These things happen constantly in the United States and in Chicago, for instance, but possibly not in the Scandinavian countries where the juries of women sit upon such cases. Women whose patients have been many times tested by wayward girls and who know the untold moral harm which may result from such a physical and psychic shock 
and then these same women may go. And because they had lived in the real world and had administered large affairs, and were therefore not prudish and affected, would say that worse than anything which may have been mentioned is in fact that the man-ruled city, the world over, a great army of women, are so set aside as outcasts that it is considered a shame to speak the mere name which designates them. Because their very existence is illegal, they may be arrested whenever any police captain chooses. They may be brought before a magistrate, and fined, and imprisoned. The men whose money sustains their houses, supplies their tawdry clothing, and provides them with intoxicating drink and drugs. And these men are never arrested, nor, indeed, ever considered lawbreakers. Lecky calls this type of woman the most mournful and the most awful figure in history. He says that she remains while creeds and civilizations rise and fail, the eternal sacrifice of humanity blasted for the sins of the people. Would not these fearless women whose concern for the morals of the family had always been able to express itself through state laws have meted out equal punishment to men as well as to women when they had equal transgressed the statute law? Would they not securely publicly concerning this dark side of city life? Did the enfranchised women evoked our imagination speak thus to the disenfranchised men? The latter would at least respect their scruples and their hesitation in regard to an extension of the obligation of citizenship. But what would be tempered of the masculine mind if the voting women representing the existing state should present them only with the following half-dozen objections, which are unhappily so familiar to many of us, if the women should say first that men would find politics corrupting, second, that they would doubtlessly vote as their wives and mothers did, third, that the men's suffrage would only double the vote without changing results, fourth, that men's suffrage would diminish the respect for men that most men do not want to vote, sixth, that the best men would not vote. I do not believe that women hoarded by life and its manifold experiences would actually present these six objections to men as real reasons for withholding the franchise from them, unless indeed they had long formed the habit of regarding men not as comrades and fellow citizens, but as a class by themselves, in essential matters, really inferior, although always held sentimentally very much above them. Certainly no such talk would be indulged in between men and women who had together embedded in political institutions the old affairs of life which had normally and historically belonged to both of them. It is the first time in the long history of women that so many of them have been without the protection and care of their elders. Even the lady of the castle, whom we so much admire, insist upon imitating, but responsible for the morals of the maidens who spun and wove for her. After all, we only feel responsible for those things which are brought to us as matters of responsibility. If conscientious women throughout the years had conceived it a duty to be informed in regard to grave industrial affairs, and at last expressed their solitude 
by depositing a piece of paper in a ballot box. One cannot imagine that they would hesitate simply because the action ran counter to certain traditions and dogmas. It would be as if a woman declined to save a child from drowning because the water might injure a conventional gown. And those are the words of Jane Addams. And for those of you who don't know, Jane Addams was the second woman to ever receive the Peace Prize. She founded the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom in 1919. And she worked to get the great powers to disarm and to conclude the peace agreements. And she's a good example of what I'm talking about with time. During her time period, women were not given the right to vote. Yet, she knew in time, with enough effort, she could sway enough people to understand why it was important for women to have that right, why it is that women needed a voice. And at the time, she may have had some feelings that it seemed like she would never reach her goal. She may have felt that time was working against her. She may have felt that she was following the wrong goal, but she stuck with it. And little by little, day after day, more and more people embrace the idea. And now, as you know, women are able to vote when no one thought that they would. And so, if you have a dream, or if you have a problem in your life, know that all of this can be solved, that your life can work forward, that your life can move forward if you give it the time and if you put in the effort. And in order to put in the effort, you need a good night's rest. So with that, good night, sleep well.